listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3RRR. You are listening to the Breakfasters podcast for the week, May 13 to May 17. This week, we welcomed brand new Breakfaster, Daniel Burt. You Yay! did. Thank you. Yes, I was thrown into the deep end, but uh, I could not have asked for two more comfortable floaties. Oh, so. oh. It's the nicest way I've ever been called a floaty in my life. <laughs> uh, we had lots of fun things. In fact, we kicked off the week getting to know Daniel with a Powerpuff Girl quiz. Yeah, which, which Powerpuff Girl are you? Is a lot of fun. And we also had a chat to Dr. Jen for her usual segment, Weird Science, about the science of tongue twisters. Peter uh, Piper picked a pair for pickled peppers. Apparently isn't. A tongue twister. Oh, neither is how much would a woodchuck chuck of a woodchuck wood chuck wood, just words that go together in a fun way. <laughs> uh, we also had a chat about uh, what we did for work experience when we were little tackers, uh, and uh, Ricky Lee Erickson came in and talked to us about squid. Oh, that was fun. And also, uh, Tom Ballard swung by to uh, chat about the Smokestack Comedy Gala and his his role in progressive life in this country. And uh, it got a little bit emo during a pet chat uh, where, oh, we, yeah. where we reminisced about uh, dogs past and present um, and, and, and other animals and very unusual species. Uh, specifically your fish? Yes, <laughs> yes. What's That's what I was trying to allude to it without mentioning it. <laughs> no, well, Hello, Simon, if you're listening. <laughs> Triple R, not for everyone, for anyone. We have a new breakfaster, Mr. Daniel Burt. Welcome. How are you feeling? Thanks. Yeah, uh, really, really welcomed, and you're, you're both so lovely and generous. And the, so far, and the, and, the, <laughs> and the hazing you gave barely scratched my uh, shins, getting my leg hairs burnt in the triple R cubicle. But amazing. Mm. Uh, now, some of the listeners um, might not know you. Might you know? We want to get to know get to know you a little bit yeah, better. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Any just let's let's begin with do you anything you want the listeners to know about you? No, I, I figure anything that uh, I volunteer will uh, you know be spewed of its own accord. Great. Uh, I wouldn't want to fast track any revelations. Okay. Then, I don't have yep. a dirty secret that I think provides context for everybody to understand who I am. Fair enough. Mm. Well, let's find out who you are. I thought a fun way of finding out who you really are oh. and getting to know you is to do um, a quiz. That's oh, always fun. Absolutely. Uh, and not just any quiz. Um, how about we do the um, which Powerpuff Girl are you? Oh, yes. Yeah. You're aware of the Powerpuff Girls? I've, I've already failed. I have no idea. Who the you don't need to know. Oh, you don't even know what a Powerpuff <laughs> Wow. Okay, I'm going to Google Powerpuff Girls for you so you can see them. Thank you. Show show him an image and once you see an image, you'll go, oh, yeah, I've seen them Yeah, you will recognise them. Okay, Okay. they're the Powerpuff Girls. Powerpuff Girls. Oh, okay, yeah. So there you go. Anyone else uh, listening at home that doesn't know the Powerpuff Girls, just Google it and there you'll have it. they got big eyes, it seems. Yes. Big eyes. They all each have a colour. They have different coloured hair. I'm the burnt orange one. Oh, you are the burnt orange one. Is that what you're predicting? Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, let's find out. Question number one. If a villain took over your town... 
It's all right. It's multiple choice. <laughs> uh, if a villain took over your town, your first response would be, A, think about the best plan of action. Mm. B, go stop them right now. Or C, try to talk it out with them. Uh, you would, it would be C. Okay. Uh, followed by A. Yep, just, just once in a <laughs> <laughs> Question number two, you're... <laughs> No, no elaborating. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, question number two: Your spirit animal would be a a dolphin, b a tiger, or c a bunny. A dolphin. Okay. Mm. Why would you say a tiger? Oh, sorry. No, it's not you. It's not my it. quiz, is it? Yeah, you, you can take your own answers. Well, they're slick. A dolphin. Mm. Is that why? Well, I'm not that I'm slick. I'd like to be. Ah. Isn't that a spirit animal? I actually think you would be a dolphin. Yeah. I can see it. I aspire yeah. to have a, you know, a blowhole and all that stuff. <laughs> your <laughs> your, your favourite season is A, spring, B, winter or C, summer. That's disappointing there's no autumn there. <laughs> Sorry, only, only uh, three Powerpuff Girls. Uh, um, it's still summer. Summer is just magical. Mm. Mm. I would have put autumn if it was there. Uh, question number four. If you're in a rock band... You'd play lead guitar, drums, or keyboard. What about bass or singing? This is a yeah, terrible piece. Well, um, I'm gonna. I'm you gonna... can you can add singing to any of those. Right. So I, can... I think lead guitar. Okay. I aspire to that. Really? Yeah. On big drums. So you was... know what I'm getting? Showboat, mm. dolphins. Yes. Oh, lead yeah. Guitar. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I did do. I, I went to a gig once, and the singer who was also the guitarist, jumped off the stage and was trying to get people to play the guitar and no one would take it. Mm. And he oh. gave, and I thought, well, I can't leave him hanging. Oh my God. So <laughs> I took it and played it and shredded off the tops of my fingers. <gasps> oh, my God. I'm like, I didn't know Can the strings were like, no. <laughs> I don't, he didn't do a... What were you doing? He didn't do it? his due diligence before he got down. He just wanted people to shred the guitar and it shredded me. <gasps> Oh, my God. So I have lots to learn. I didn't even know that was possible. You mean either? Yeah. <laughs> okay. In your spare time, <laughs> in your spare time, do you like to uh, read, play sport, or painting and drawing? Uh, it would It would have to be... You'd have to be reading, but I, I, I just don't have enough friends to play sport with. But, but it's, So until that day happens, it's reading. You like a bit of tennis, though, don't you? you Love play, tennis, yeah. yeah. But you can't hit against a wall like I sometimes do. Yeah, yeah. not always anyway. No. Question number six, how would, you, how would your friends describe you? Outgoing, determined or kind? Oh, I mean, you would like to think a little bit from column A, column yes. B and column C. But mostly? Mostly... Outgoing, yep. determined, or kind? Yeah, probably outgoing or mm. kind. You got to say kind because uh, like once, you put, outgoing, once you put kind in there, put, it, the implication if you take one of the others is you're that you're unkind, not kind. Yeah. yeah, and then determined just makes you sound like a sociopath. It does, doesn't it? A determined dolphin. Mm. I put outgoing. Oh, so right. okay. <laughs> for you. No, for you. Oh, okay, right. Thanks, You okay. said yes to it and I'd already clicked it. Can't go back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in a group task, I wonder how many questions there are. <laughs> have you not looked at this? Oh, I'll have you no, not looked at this. It's first. just like you click and it oh, goes on to the next I, one. I have done a get to know you quiz on the Triple R website as well. Have you? Yeah, if anyone wants to. Oh, I'm going to go and look that mm. up now. In a group task, you prefer taking the lead, getting involved or offering support? In a group task, mm. uh, I have to take the lead. Okay, yeah. well, that's good. We need oh, a leader. Yeah, interesting. Mm. I'm happy to um, support. What? What? I'm what a you... leader. Mm. This is why I work well with you with guys. 
what is your least favourite thing? A messy house, vegetables or bad guys? <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. Um, it'd be bad guys, especially if they've messed up my house. Yeah. But, yeah, oh. bad guys. Here we go. I like bad we guys. We have a result. You are Blossom. Oh, I don't know which one that is, though. Can you look that oh, up? Oh, we'll look it up. I'm just See thinking of Blossom the... from the 90s TV show, Blossom, yes. <laughs> who is also an excellent result. It is, isn't it? <laughs> Blossom, you're smart and a natural leader. Just like Blossom, you can always get everyone back on track when your group goes astray <gasps> and you'd be a talented crime fighter. Blossom is that orange redhead. Yep. Winner! See? I can't believe that. Congratulations. Oh, you know who you are, Daniel Burt. These stupid quizzes are excellent. <laughs> Three. Triple. Ah. Daniel Burt, you mentioned uh, on Friday morning <clears throat> that you actually applied to do work experience here as a break faster many years ago, but um, you were knocked back. That's right. Firmly and wisely uh, rejected by Dave O'Neill. Hello, Dave, if you're listening. Um, but I'm here now and can finally complete Year Ten. How did you did you write him a letter? Yeah, yeah, I wrote a letter. I, I can't remember the contents of the letter, but it was it was just you know it was very passionate. I was sending them out pretty. I was pretty promiscuous with my work experience. I was I was aiming high. Yeah, you really were, weren't you? Yeah, and I can't looking back, Dave even read it. It sounds pretty obnoxious looking back. I must have been pretty precocious, but but I yeah it was it was it was fun. I mean, I used to come in and give Dave and Kate Langbrook like stories from the paper, my local paper. That really yeah yeah. What do you mean yeah. give them to them? Well, there was you know like I would cut them out and drive up from Frankston to the studio. Oh. I know, like it's just not ideal. And my poor parents. And then what would you do? What would you, what would you do with the stories? Well, no, they were relevant. They weren't uninteresting stories. Oh. Like there was, there was a, uh, there was a segment. Uh, there was a comedian called Lewis Schaefer, who um, who toured Australia, and he, the Frankston's local mayor, walked out of his show. There was a oh. showcase at the art centre, and the mayor walked out, and Dave Hughes was on tour with him. So Dave Hughes was phoning in with all these stories, and I thought, oh, this is a fun local story they might not know about. Well, and you oh. were just getting the, you didn't think just to call and say he's a you know come to mention it yeah, yeah I really oh, should that's really sweet what did you what did you end up doing for for work experience in the end uh, I ended up working with my sister at Buena Vista International which is a movie distribution oh yeah uh, like Disney yeah yeah I yeah, can't yeah. believe you aimed so high and you end up working with your sister <laughs> yeah like your mum was like for God's sake there or the Manchester store with my mum <laughs> uh, but yeah I and I got uh, hauled over the coals on the first day because I stupid. <laughs> I wore a suit and tie. Uh, oh, but, that hurts my heart. But my tie was a South Park tie, and that's that's not a Disney movie, so I had to take it off. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. Oh, so so. Oh wow! Do you know what? It's I yeah. I think um, when I was in Fluffy year, owned year a South ten, Park tie. Yeah. Uh, around the time that I, you know, U10 was work experience, I think um, was when Police Rescue was on, oh and I was such a big fan of Police Rescue that I. Where was I? Had a hot. I had the hots for Gary Swain. Oh yeah, so mm. bad. I had the hots for some other characters, and um, <laughs> without really realising it, uh, but I went. Oh, I want to be a. Um, <laughs> 
I went, well, I'd love to join the police rescue, and then went, oh, I have to be, a, you have to be a police. I did so much research into it. I said, oh, I have to be a police officer hate, first, and you then had, you wanted to work experience with police rescue. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I knew I couldn't. I just loved abseiling, you know. Um, and I, so my career path was for a short period of time, like because I love police rescue so much, it was like, okay, how do I get to be on... Like, I didn't think, why don't you just act? Why don't you just be an actor and aim for a role on police I, rescue? Can I just tell you, I loved Blue Healers and I, for a while, wanted to be a policeman because of Blue Healers. Yeah. But I just wanted to wear the same hat that Maggie Oh, yeah, it's a great wear. hat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wanted the white overalls. Yeah, see, there you go. You know, and abseiling. And, um, <laughs> and I'm... But I thought, oh, I have to be – so it's police officer first. So, and I don't think the police did um, work experience, so to speak. So no. I – What a um, surprise. <laughs> you do this doorknock. So, you just clean the guns out. <laughs> I ended up doing um, work experience with um, a, a security firm. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's a security guard. Did you have to wear a black puffy jacket? <laughs> No, just watching the off. It was so. It was this security firm that basically at night time they would drive around and check on you know that kind of night checking on buildings and stuff. Your work experience was at night. No, they. But yeah, that would have been more exciting. But <laughs> did you get to go out on security details? No, I did the banking. Oh, <laughs> it was so boring. It was so boring. I hated it. Like I remember oh, like, the geez. head of the company. He like sat like for two weeks, or was it just a week? Anyway, it was a long and and boring week. And I think they tried to um, like expand it out a little bit. So essentially, I would you know. I just worked in the office. I just did admin stuff for them and I did the banking. So they handed me wads of cash and I went down to the bank and handed it over and stuff. Um, but there was – they had – there so were you handed over the wads of cash? Yeah. That's got, pretty cool. Yeah, I know. And very with the, trusting. With the, in one of those big vans? No, no, just me carrying a, like a calico bag. <laughs> <laughs> and just yeah, no, Aubrey here to do the banking. There you go. Um, and what else? Oh, oh, and on the last day, someone bought a whole lot of donuts. I'm like, oh, this is like I'm an American cop now. Um, but they had. Um, oh yeah, one of the last days, I had the most intense phone call with someone, and that I was completely underqualified for. I should not have been taking this phone call at all. But they had this. Um, just imagine little G's <laughs> just going oh, it's like icing on her face. Yeah. Just it wanting was... to abseil, sitting there and <laughs> and having to wear a, like an a, a skirt and stuff. Like I remember, like wearing office oh. a tight. Like Mum was like, no, I think like we went to Target or Kmart or oh. something and got like you know nice a skirt and and you know stockings and stuff. And then yeah, it was very. <laughs> Not me. But this last phone call that I had was like with this, they had this, they had this little device that for the elderly that they could push a button and that would call security for them or it would call oh. an ambulance or something. But anyway, this person had, you know, I don't know if I was trying to sell it to them or I just remember talking to someone about this device for far too long without knowing what I was talking about. <laughs> it's horrible. God. Uh, mm. Yeah, I, I was in over my head where uh, 
I, I, they made me watch. Well, they didn't make me. It was a pleasure. But I went to a screening of Juice Bigelow, Male Gigolo. Oh, my goodness. Oh, mate. And, and so the boss of the company, and I'm in this screening, it's me and a few others and David and Margaret. <gasps> oh, my God. Wow. So, and, and then, you know, afterwards there's a meeting and everyone decides it's trash. But I'm like a boy. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, well, I loved it. <laughs> and so, and like, wait, the kids got something to say. Totally. <laughs> and so the boss went, all right, we'll You're push like it Tom out. Tom Hanks in big. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, went gangbusters. So if you enjoyed Juice Bigelow at the pictures in the late 90s, you can you know who to thank. You. <laughs> It's time for Weird Science, where this week the dependable doctor deigns to describe the difficulties in our dustly dialect. Hello, Dr. Jen. Oh, oh man. Oh, we're keeping you, Daniel. That was awesome. <laughs> I love that. That was that was excellent. I need a copy of that. I don't want to put that on my CV or something. <laughs> well, well you, you're talking tongue twisters. We are. We're talking tongue twisters because I, I wanted to come up with a good topic to welcome you to, to this segment, Daniel, and I thought what better than a topic that will just put you on the spot and make you sound really silly. Well, if you've heard some of my news already this morning, you would notice that regular words sometimes throw me. Yeah, so all the more reason to choose tongue twisters mm. to, to get irregular words. But no, tongue twisters are really interesting because every language has some and we all know them. What, what are your favourite tongue twisters? Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Oh, you've practised that? <laughs> no, so. I didn't. Yep. I just yeah. came out. Oh, How yeah, much would right. a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Yeah, and the okay, old favourite, uh, yeah, good. she sells she seashells, love seashells. <laughs> oh, really? I reckon that's one of the harder ones. I agree. Yeah. yeah, well, I thought we should work out why it's so hard. So I, I did quite a lot of very exciting reading about tongue twisters. Um, and it turns out every language has tongue twisters. One of my favourites is one I learnt when I lived in Germany. It's Brautkleid bleibt Brautkleid und Blaukraut bleibt Blaukraut. Oh, yes. That's a good Jess, one. Jess, hey? do you just repeat that? <laughs> Um, bright, cloud, un, bright, cloud, un, cloud, bright, good, bright. Oh, you nailed it. That's very good. What, what, yeah. is, what is it you. in English? Uh, well, it makes no sense. It's basically saying a wedding dress remains a wedding dress and red cabbage remains red cabbage. Oh, okay. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. really oh. mean very much. But what I didn't know was that tongue twisters used to not just be kind of things of folly. They were actually used to teach uh, pronunciation and elocution. So just like times tables, oh. kids used to have to recite tongue twisters to improve the way they pronounced oh. things. Whereas now we just kind of laugh about them. But scientists are into them because if you can study how the brain copes with tongue twisters you can learn a lot about how our brains produce normal speech, partly with the aim of understanding when things go wrong, like stuttering. So there's actually been quite a lot of research into it. And one of the earlier studies was back in the 1980s when they got um, students to silently read both normal, complicated sentences, but normal sentences, and then tongue twisters that were kind of similarly complex but had the added bits of what makes a tongue twister, and we'll come to that in a second. Um, And they timed how long it took them to read them both aloud and then in their heads. And it turned out that even in their heads, these students took longer to read the tongue twisters, which means there's actually nothing to do with our tongues, it's our brains. You know, if it takes you longer to read it, even if you're only reading it in your head, then it means the brain is the problem, not so the don't, tongue. So don't, if you're bad at them, don't beat yourself up. 
No, exactly. Well, we're all bad at them. Well, and, and Don't beat your tongue up. <laughs> <laughs> so a few years ago they did a study where they actually implanted electrodes onto a few people's brains. These were um, It was for a particular reason. These um, patients were epilepsy patients and the electrodes needed to be there for other reasons. But they took the opportunity to study what was going on in the brain when people pronounced certain sounds. And they identified essentially that there's kind of five different types of sounds that we make. There's three different types of consonants ones where um, the tongue is at the front of our mouth, something like sa, so the mm-hmm. s is at the front, then something like ga, where the tongue is at the back of your throat or the, the um, sound is coming from the back of your throat, your tongue's at the back, and then sounds where you need to use your lip, like ma. So we've got sa, ga and ma, and then two types of consonants, consonants that need your lips, like ooh, mm-hmm. versus consonants that don't need your lips, like ah. And what it turns out is that... So basically you can break language into those five things. And these electrodes uh, electrodes showed that your brain is the same part of your brain generates and controls those sounds. So what that means is that whether you're saying she cells or whether you're saying seashells, it's almost identical to your brain in terms oh. of the nerves, the pattern of your brain. So your brain can't really Amazing. tell the difference between C and she. And so no wonder our brain gets tripped up when you try and say those two things close together because Stupid it's the brain. same <laughs> bit of your brain. So it's very efficient that our brains are kind of you know, compartmentalised and saying, well, you know, this bit is responsible for those sounds and this bit's responsible for those sounds. It's very efficient, but it means there's lots of opportunity for problems. So that means, Jez, that something like how much wood could a woodchuck wood if a woodchuck could chuck wood is actually not really a tongue twister in the sense. Yeah. It's just a series of, you know, words that you string together and they're kind of Funny. fun to say. But there's no real tongue twister in there, whereas some of the proper tongue twisters where you're Yeah, so we stop feeling between. so satisfied with you. Yeah, that's oh. right. So, <laughs> so I brought some. So, Jez, I think you should try this one. Okay. Yeah. Oh. This, this is what until recently was considered to be the hardest tongue twister of all. Hardest? Ceaseth. Ceaseth. The seething sea ceaseth, and thus the seething sea suffice. Where do I say that word? Sufficeth. Sufficeth <laughs> us. So now say that ten times fast. The seething sea ceaseth, and the, thus the seething ceases. <laughs> oh my God! Us. Man. The seething sea. How <laughs> about just twice? <laughs> so, a good, so a good tongue oh, twister relies on using words with similar letters and sounds. Um, combined with tiny differences in those sounds depending on whether they're consonants or vowels. And if you string them together, it becomes really, really hard to say. So, Sarah, this one's for you. Thank God. I brought brought uh, my own limericks for you guys. Is it worse that I've got a lisp? No, it's all good, mate. All right, well, enjoy the spitting. The sixth, 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 sixth. The sixth, 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 sheep, sick. The sixth, oh, that's it. The six sick sheep's six sheep sick. Am I? Are those words coming out of my mouth? There's a sick sheep, <laughs> and there's a sick in. And there's a, there's a sheep. There's oh, a sheep right. and a and a. There's a sheep and a and sheep. a sheep. 
Yeah. And they're both ill. And they're both sick. And, <laughs> and they're both sixth in line for something. <laughs> and I don't know why. So the whole problem with tongue twisters then is trying to get our brain to tell our muscles how to generate particular sounds and our mm. brain getting mixed up by thinking, well, I can't really tell the difference between those. So, I've uh, Daniel, I've saved the best for last. Oh, dear, There's a dear. study a couple of years ago that tried to work out, or didn't try to work out, had a whole sequence of tongue twisters and worked out that this one was the one that the fewest people could say and lots of people trying to say this fast repeatedly, they just gave up and they just closed their mouths and said, I can't do it. it so, does, it Daniel, this one's for you. It does actually feel like the muscle in your mouth is trying... Is fighting against you. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you do it. Yeah, yeah. totally. So, so this one makes no sense. It's not. A, it's just a series of words. I feel like together. I need to smack my lips and have a yeah, glass do a little of water. Vo- do a little voice oh, warm no, up no, for no. us. Yeah, okay. Uh, pad kid poured curd pulled cod. Okay, ten times fast. Pad kid poured curd pulled cod. Pad kid poured curd pulled cod. Look, you know I could keep going all day. Uh, what is a pad kid? Well, see, this is the thing. It this is matter. an example of something that makes no sense. It's just a series of words that plays on this difficulty that our brain has in distinguishing between the sounds. And are some people better at other tongue twisters than others because of their individual proclivities? Or yeah, I don't know. I mean, that one that you've got there, basically no one could say well, and the researcher ended up saying, if anyone can wow. say this correctly ten times over, I'll give them a prize. Pad kid per... Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Pad kid poured curd, pulled cod... Uh, and and there's some. Go. Uh, I want to yeah, yeah. Go, Jazz. You can do it. Pad kid poured curd pulled cod. 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 Oh, Jazz. Oh. She wins the prize. It's got to be faster, though, mate. Oh, does it? Yeah. That's pretty good, though. Yeah, no, that is pretty good. Is, is English the toughest? Oh, I wouldn't imagine so. I didn't find any studies that kind of compared the level of difficulty of different, uh, you know, tongue twisters in different languages. But, but I if I think... And if I practice these, will my brain get better? Mm. Is there anything... Is it doing anything for my brain to be good at this? Um, just a show-off thing? I don't know. That's mm. a really lovely question. I wish I knew the answer. I don't know if oh. it's getting you anywhere other than just to say that you would feel really smug yeah. that you could say a hard tongue twister. I mean, I guess it's training your brain. Every time we use our brains, we're training new neural circuits to do things. Whether there's any value in training the neural circuits to try and say these better, I don't really know. But I did find one thing that really made me laugh. I found an alarm clock app where the only way you can turn the alarm off is to say a tongue twister correctly multiple times. Oh, my God. So by the time you've done that, you're so awake that you're like, well, I might as well just bloody get up then. Oh. That is cruelty. That <laughs> I is... know. How cruel is that? Red lorry, yellow lorry. Yeah. 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 I'm up. Kath or Andrew would feel it five in the morning. Yeah. And, and I wonder just quickly whether if you're going to be a writer, whether it's given that tongue twisters apply from reading, not just from saying, yeah, that yeah. there are combinations of words that the reader finds more enjoyable and you don't even realise. Oh, I think that's absolutely true. And I know, you know, there are heaps of things that are hard to say. And I know there was this great conversation between Stephen Fry and J.K. Rowling because he read all of the Harry Potter books. And apparently he contacted her and said, I find it really hard to say aloud Harry Potter pocketed, <sighs> you know, as in pocketed something. And, and apparently, as the story goes, he contacted her and said, can I just not say it like that? It's too hard to say. And she came back and said, no, no, it's actually essential that you read it word for word identical because a lot of children around the world are learning to read by following on with with you speaking and having the Harry Potter book in front of you. So, no, you don't have my permission to change it. You have to say Harry Potter pocketed. And he reckons she then put it in every book after uh-huh. that. <laughs> Sucked in, Stephen Fry. Uh, Dr. Jen, thank you so very much for that uh, trying tongue twister. Pleasure. Pleasure.
Future Creatures, we're joined by marine biologist and assistant collection manager at Museums Victoria, Ricky Lee Erickson. Ricky Lee, welcome. There's really no time to waste, so we need our squid fix. We've been anticipating this rather fervently for a while now. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Look, I'm always happy to talk about cephalopods all day. <laughs> I'll be on for the rest of the day. No, shout out to um, Yasmin, Frankie, Jackie, who actually requested that I talk about squids this week. So, yes. The squid fan club. Yes, they are. There are some people that are very passionate about squids. Um, So what are they? They're invertebrates, so they don't have a backbone. Um, They evolved about 100 million years ago. They're most closely related to mollusks, so snails, oysters, mussels, that sort of thing. Uh, They don't have an external shell like snails etc except they have a internal shell called a gladius which is similar to the cuttlefish bone that you kind of see washed up on the beach okay so over 300 species most of them live really deep at least 300 meters below the surface but some as deep as four kilometers Um, they can live between six months and five years depending on the species the smallest one is about two and a half centimeters long and the largest being the giant squid which i'll talk about in a bit Um, it can be up to 18 meters Um, but i think what's even cooler is the colossal squid which is the biggest in terms of mass Colossal squid. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah it's pretty. Ama- it's seven hundred and fifty kilograms, <gasps> and the giant squid's about half that. So it's long. The giant squid's longer, but the colossal squid's actually fat, like big and stout. So oh. might talk about that in the future. Yeah. That's quite a cool one as well. Um, the cool thing about squid, they are covered it with chromatophores, which are pigment-containing cells, which enable them to change colour, communicate with each other, camouflage. Um, and some can. What even- do they communicate? Just messages to each other, like, "Hey, I'm." Um, Keen to mate, are you keen to yeah. mate, sort of yeah. thing. Like just the usual. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Warning signs to each other, like males back off, stuff like that. Huh. Just animal stuff. What colours? <laughs> what colours? Um, all sorts, but it depends on each species. So um, I'll talk about the giant squid in a sec. Um, they have a particular um, strategy for that. Um, so yeah, big kind of head thing with all their organs, etc. And then they have eight to t- ten arms and two big tentacles. They swim tentacles first. And they use jet propulsion to kind of suck water into their body cavity and then shoot it out through their siphon. Um, can get up to 40 kilometres an hour. That makes them the speediest marine invertebrate, which is pretty cool. And, and terrifying. <laughs> really, really smart as well. So they're kind of like the same category as octopus. They can problem solve. They are very social. They have highly developed brains. Um, so, yeah, they're pretty interesting animals. Sarah's scared of them now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if you saw one, I mean, you wouldn't see one because you wouldn't be that deep. Um ever but yeah they would be pretty intimidating to see and quite cool can they use their jet propulsion all day long or is it like i'm done after 10 yeah i think it's more like they can do a really quick getaway but but then they do need to suck that water back in to do it again so yeah it's not a constant thing but they are good swimmers they have fins um on the side of their mantles which they can use to swim around and are they going that fast 300 meters under yeah yeah, so they're um, sort of ambush hunters. So they tend to use the sit and wait or camouflage strategy. Um, and there's actually a pretty cool story about um, sort of their mutual relationship with jellyfish, which I'll mention right at the end. But mm-hmm. let's get into giant squid because yes, everyone yeah, loves okay. squid. Um, we've got one on display at Melbourne Museum if you want to come check it out. It's about six metres long. Um, it's in this big kind of block, big tank of ethanol, which is pretty cool. Um, Giant squid, they uh, live 600 to 900 meet, uh, metres deep um, during the day and they're shallower, shallower at night to hunt. Their eye is the size of a standard basketball, which makes it the biggest eye in the world. Yep, even bigger than the blue whale. Um, females bigger than males, so about 18 metres max. They have serrated rings of sharp teeth around each sucker. 
which they use to get their own prey, but also as a defence mechanism. So oh, their main I that. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> How big is the eye in the in the museum? Is it basketball size? Well, the the problem with um, the eye is once the animals died, it kind of deflates because it's full of water. It's not like human eyes, which are full of jelly, right. um, that jelly substance. So it would be that size, but I. Don't, I believe it's deflated, so okay. it's not as impressive. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys. Go back to the... Yeah, sorry, keep going to serrated teeth on the... Yeah. Serrated <laughs> teeth, yeah. So they, you can see these, like, wounds on other... Like, on sperm whales in particular, which sperm whales are their main predator. Um, interesting fact is that um, everyday male sperm whales eat about 300 squid species... Um, every day and females can eat a whopping 700 to 800 squid per day so even if giant squid only represent about one percent of their diet that estimates to 300 3.6 million giant squid eaten daily which is 131 million per year god that's a squid genocide yeah it's like so how many squid are there in the ocean yeah so many yeah so is it just is it just um sperm whales yeah yeah I thought, does that is that a sign of their lack of intelligence or anything? Or? No, I just think sperm whales probably are really, really good predators. Um, giant squid, they're really quite smart, but they are so big, so they are. Yeah. I do, guess they do have a big target on their backs. And um, squid do make up a lot of animals' diets, so all sorts of squid species are really, really important in the um, ecosystem. How, how does a sperm whale, how does it eat? <laughs> like, how does it get through all the defences? Well, I guess the main defence would be the suckers. So if they can put up with that. The other interesting thing that giant squid have is um, the ink, which they can kind of spurt out to distract their... But it actually has dopamine in it. Oh. Which is really weird. Does it? So it makes the prey happy. Well, we don't know what, how, if that has an effect on the um, predator or anything like that, but I just thought that was really interesting. That is, wow. Yeah, kind ah. of a weird fact. Uh, but, yeah, back to <laughs> giant squid. So their tentacles can regenerate as well, which is kind of cool. Um, before 2004, no one had ever taken a picture of a giant squid, like, in life. Um, we'd only seen it kind of washed up on beaches. Um, so they used a baited sort of trap to attract a squid um, yep. about one kilometre down and then they took about 500 images. Um, then And all of them were blurry and they yeah. were damn it. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of wasn't really sort of seeing them, seeing it kind of as it would be in the ocean. So in 2012, it was the first video in a natural environment where they actually sent down a bait, but it wasn't with food. It was actually um, imitating a jellyfish bioluminescence sort of um, pattern. So this is what's really cool is because they kind of confirmed that they have this kind of mutual relationship with each other, the jellyfish and the giant squid. So when the jellyfish are under attack, they have this kind of warning alarm sort of to other jellyfish and other animals around that there's something here like something's you know and they're trying to kind of warn off the predator um and the giant squid is attracted to that because that's actually not eating the jellyfish but it's actually going to target what the jelly what's trying to eat the jellyfish so that's kind of cool yeah so they used that sort of bait to attract this giant squid and it's amazing footage are definitely um worth checking out what's the lifespan um for the giant squid about five years so they can grow very very quickly it's pretty cool And they have the, you mentioned the colour before, so they're more of a dark red colour. They don't have too, too much. They do glow. They can bioluminesce. Um, more of it, It's sometimes it's flashing, like trying to 
blind their prey um, and kind of spook them out. And then sometimes it's like a longer glow, about four to nine seconds, and they think that that could be communication with other giant squid around. But I think they're mainly solitary animals. So So when people bang on about aliens, you're like, who cares? We have 750 kilo, 300 depth squids traveling at 40 k's an hour. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. They're pretty, pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I would, if you are interested in seeing a giant squid, come to Melbourne Museum. We've got one on display at in the Marine Gallery. Um, it's pretty cool. And there's also a video on YouTube they did when they caught the squid back in, I think, 2008. Um, while they didn't catch it, they brought someone brought it up in a fishing vessel. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a public dissection of it, which is pretty cool as well. So if you're into animal dissections, you want to see some of the structures that I've talked about, you can check it out on YouTube as well. And just quickly, are they friends with each other? Like, do we know how they hang out? They not because they're so they're so deep and they're so elusive. We don't know too much about their social structure. We do think that they do communicate with each other, um, and they do have these. But it's hard. Yeah, some squid species are really really social and they do hunt in packs. Um, but some of them are more solitary. So yeah. And you you said uh, they have arms. Is it wrong to say that they have legs? <laughs> yes, that is wrong. It is wrong. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll retire that. Uh, really, thanks so much. I think you just gave everybody a squidgasm. So. Uh, <laughs> That was very uh, delicious. And, and head down to the museum. Oh, <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Three Triple R. We're lucky to be joined by Tom Ballard performing in the Smokestack Comedy Gala as part of the Progress Festival starting tomorrow at Monash University. Tom, welcome to Breakfasters. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> <Why> <laughs> to see you all. I was just happy to see you all. Yeah. Be up this early. It's good. <laughs> what, what on earth? What on earth brings you here? Well, uh, well, I need a, something to promote in order to hang out with my dear friends on <laughs> breakfasters. Don't be so cynical. Anyway, tickets are on sale, and they're not moving. <laughs> No, it's going to be a great show. This Progress Festival is being launched at uh, Monash University Live. We do a whole bunch of cool cultural stuff uh, year-round, and they've got a brand-new theatre, which I think was open last week, and uh, they've got a whole bunch of events happening, all based around the idea of progress. Are we progressing as a society? Is progress a good thing? Mm. Is progress inevitable? These are the big questions we ask that I'll be crowbarring my material around. <laughs> do, you, do you think about it very much, this sort of... Uh this sort of conversation? I think it was a really interesting um, provocation when they approached us, right? I thought, okay, yeah, I can do a comedy gala. I've hosted them before. You stand up, you do your jokes about your penis and you say goodnight. (laughs) But this is a little bit different. They were like, no, we want everyone to sort of tackle this idea about where we're going. And it feels like, I don't know, ever since that Donald Trump guy got elected, um, people in my political ilk on the left would have to ask themselves a lot of big uh, questions, like, are we actually progressing? Does progress just happen? Does the universe just slowly get better and better over time? Or do you have to do stuff to make that happen? And so myself, Rod Quantock, Zoe Coombs-Ma, the bedroom philosopher, uh, Lou Wall, a bunch of, like, really great acts are all going to be doing, in some way, interpreting that theme on stage tomorrow night. Why is it called Smokestack? <laughs> well, as I told you off air, Geraldine, I'm not aware. I think, I think the idea was that at some point the smokestack or, you know, like chimneys and smoke going up to the, into the uh, atmosphere would have been seen as a sign of progress because it was a sign of the Industrial Revolution. Ah. But now, of course, it's a sign of uh, the thing that's killing us all and will destroy the planet. Ah. Sorry, that's, that's a downer. No, it, no that won't happen. But certainly it's polluting the atmosphere and we need to do something about that. So it's interesting how that symbol, the yeah. smokestack, changes over time, Gerald. You're very good, Tom. <laughs> 
Do you believe that? Okay. Yes. As, yes. As one of Australia's foremost satirists and, uh, <laughs> and, and um, well, you know, well-recognised progressives, do you have disagreements in your family about politics? Um, yeah, I've gone further left than my, than my mum and dad. My mum and dad were big union people um, and I think would have been rust on Labor voters for a very long time until it got to a point where their refugee policy was just untenable for them and they've gone, they've gone further out to the Greens, they're part of Amnesty International and stuff. But every now and again I'll be like, oh yeah, I'm looking into democratic socialism. Mum goes, oh, Tom, <laughs> stop being ridiculous. <laughs> Come on. And she's probably got a good point. But this is where we're at. Yeah, I mean, I, it feels like, certainly for millennials, when you look at everything that's going on for people my age, you know, the economy's insane, that whole climate catastrophe is coming down the pipeline, you sort of go, well, I, I don't know about this capitalism thing, guys. I think it might be an issue. And I'm going to fix it through the power of comedy. <laughs> because you do what you do and you spend a lot of time talking on the TV and making jokes about politics, do you find that people come up to you on the street and want to discuss these <laughs> issues with you? Like, it must be hard when you go to vote. I feel like everyone would be like, hey, you, I want to take this up with you right now. Yeah, I high-fived the Greens guys. I yeah. went in. I, I only voted. He was like, hey, man. I was like, hey, <laughs> we know what's going down here. See you, One Nation. Um, uh, I tend to chase people down and bore people with my politics. That's I'm sort of on the front foot yeah, and right. no one wants to talk to me about it because they're sick of it. I just saw on Twitter that um, Game of Thrones fans have organised a petition for them to remake Season 8 of Game of Thrones. So I feel like humanity's in a good place <laughs> and our priorities are really lined up well and we're going to be fine. Um, <laughs> how, do you, how do you think Saturday's going to go? The election, oh, the election. I'm talking about. Yeah, oh, yes, sorry. yes, gotcha. No, that's fine. Mm. Um, no, I... just you lunch with your mum. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to someone at gig last night, actually, and I was like, yeah, what do you think? He was another political comedian. I was like, what do you think's going to happen on Saturday? And he says, yeah, I might get another gig, I think. I just got to talk to a few people. <laughs> no, the fate of the nation. <laughs> uh, look, I never underestimate the Labor Party's ability to muck things up. But it feels at this point, surely, surely uh, at least a minority government in, in the left wing's favour would be ideal. Um, obviously, Tony, jo- uh, Tony Jones, Tony Abbott being uh, removed from his seat would make me happy, mm-hmm. and, as, as would uh, the removal of Peter Dutton. I, I just think, I just think it's, it's not going to be a resounding, thumping, um, heart-lifting uh, victory because uh, Bill Shorten, but <laughs> I, I have hope that, yes, yeah, surely the end of this crazy coalition government has to come on Saturday. You don't think that Kerry-Anne Kennelly's a hot take? <laughs> Yesterday, that the world's going to end if Shorten is elected, will swing anyone? The end of life as we know yeah. it. Yeah. And Alan Jones has apparently promised to retire from radio. If yeah, Labor if Party gets wins, in, yeah. Which is just like awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's probably going to happen. And then you're going to be a light. Not that he's, you know, backed up his word before, but it just seems like a, such a bizarre, bizarre claim to make. Yeah. Was he joking? Um, I guess I'm sure that's what he'll say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just saw it on Twitter. I would have to see the actual clip. Yeah. It's, and you what... guys promised to retire as well, I think. <laughs> yeah. like, short government, is that right? In disgrace? <laughs> cool. All right. Good, uh, reason, no. good reason to vote for Cory Bernard. <laughs> so do you, do you feel uh, pressure to form opinions on every little policy that swings by? Um. Uh, yes, I mean, you know, there is a... I am on Twitter quite a bit, which I should stop doing because it's bad for your mental health. There is a vibe on Twitter sometimes that you should know everything mm. about history and politics and uh, policy. I have a podcast called Like I'm a Six-Year-Old where I <clears throat> interview people from across the political spectrum um, and, and I get them to explain things to me in basic terms. And that's been very helpful. And it's just sort of like freeing of the ego. Like, I don't, I don't know. There's a bunch I don't know. I haven't done a lot of reading. I haven't read a book in years. <laughs> 
but mm. I get the general idea that something's wrong and that the uh, people on the right are doing aren't approaching it in the best way. So um, I, I talk to lots of people from the IPA right through to anarchists and, and try and ask them to um, set it out in, in, in simple terms so I can get my head around it, yeah. And do you think your message is ever helped or hindered by being a globalist soy boy cuck? <laughs> I asked you not to raise that <laughs> on the program, Daniel. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I'm sure people have made up their minds about me and are probably not prepared to receive any comedy or politics from me because they think they know where I'm at already and that, you know, I'm a lizard. Um, <laughs> but uh, you can't worry about them. You have to talk to normal people. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what about uh, sharing the stage with Rod Quantock? Is that pretty special? Oh, man. He is the... What is, he's been going for 60, 50 years? 60 Some, years. Fi- a long time. A long time. <laughs> Either one is too long um, for anyone except for Rod Quantock because he's still so funny. I asked him what are you going to be talking about, Rod, and he said, oh, I don't know. And um, I'm sure he'll turn it around and talk about, you know, the end of uh, the environment and whether progress is a good thing. I think I think he's saying he might play with the thing that we should abandon the idea of progress, that it's got us into a lot of trouble. Hmm. So I don't know what that looks like. But whatever it is, it'll be very funny and there will be a whiteboard. <clears throat> you wrote a, a terrific play... <laughs> During the, for the comedy festival. Oh, yes, I did, Geraldine. Yes, um, I managed to wed this. Wed this <laughs> yes. What a what every a great... day for the last forty days. Yeah, been what, a... A, what a great cast you had. I had a great um, cast. Yes, you including read it. me. Was it? Yeah, uh, but the thing I. Uh, when you were writing it, though, obviously, you know, you had a representative of, of you know, the left and the right of, of politics. It was an episode of Q&A, sorry. Yeah, oh, yes, it. we should. Uh, yeah, sorry. Everyone knows about it. I've talked about it a lot. <laughs> it was called Quanda. Well, you yeah. could see it on Saturday afternoons and Sunday afternoons. <laughs> yes. I played Leonie Harris. Uh, but did you have to, you know, how did you get in the minds of these characters, I, I guess, as, you know, um, of trying to think like a, a right-wing person when you're, very left. Um, I mean, look, I'm sure, I'm sure a right wing person would probably watch that play and think that they they weren't represented justly. But I watched Q and A a lot, and I feel like the 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 guy from the Liberal Party on that uh, in that play was a sort of James Patterson, Tim Wilson kind of type, mm. who is kind of this young libertarian um, think tank. Uh, uh, debating nerd uh, guy that I kind of relate to. I probably I could have, in another life I could well have been one of those people. I think so. I felt like I got my I head felt around the that. same way that Leonie Harris, <laughs> 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 who was a, an independent senator from Tasmania, had some yeah. very strong thoughts about um, uh, immigration and the banks. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, if you just watch that show enough, which I have over the years, and you listen to enough kind of other commentary around it, you get the general big themes that come through and the things that are at the heart of their ideology, which for, for right-wing conservative people is just smaller government. And I, I have some sympathy for the idea that, you know, government sucks in lots of different ways, so they want the government out of their lives as much as possible so they can carry on with all their freedoms and create prosperity and wealth that everybody gets mm. to uh, indulge in. Of course, that's not how it actually works out. And we're actually going to do it at the Opera House on um, Friday night, just before the election, <laughs> yeah, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. When I watch Quanda, I'm always struck by the fact that no one ever listens to anyone, right? So you never, <laughs> no one ever gets a point across and goes, "I won," because the other side doesn't care. No. Have yeah. you? Do you, are you ever convinced by someone who has slightly different politics to you to their point of view? Does that often happen? Well, yes, because the left is very annoying and sometimes dumb, <laughs> and they don't have a good answer to the good questions that people on the right are asking. Yeah. So, I, and I can understand why you would look at the left like me and go, oh, "I don't want anything to do with that." Um, that's understandable. I mean, yeah, I, 
I, I moderated this um, debate between uh, Cornell West and Douglas Murray. Um, I, I did one of their sessions when they were out, and Douglas Murray is like a neoconservative, Cornell West, you know, uh, racial justice campaigner. So could not be differently um, inclined politically. But this event was them talking to each other, actually listening to each other, actually responding to what they were saying. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and it was just it was fascinating to listen to and you felt like you got smarter while they were talking to each other. So I do believe it is possible, but not on Q&A. Q&A yeah. is performative kabuki theatre and everyone is just waiting to say their next thing. Is there yeah. a figure on the right who you most reluctantly admire? <laughs> oh, that's a tough question, Daniel. Gosh, darn it. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of friendly with Tim Wilson. Um, he's been on my podcast a couple of times. I think he has a decent sense of humour about himself. And I think, you know, in his work as, as commissioner for freedom, freedom boy, he actually occasionally came up with decent um, arguments that I had to sort of really stop and think. I, don't know, I just have an immediate um, knee-jerk reaction. But, no, most of them are evil and uh, conspiring <laughs> in the destruction of so our... So religious, you say Fraser Annie. He's just asking questions, guys. He's just asking questions. <laughs> uh, so so the, you don't expect to change hearts and minds? No. Uh, tomorrow? I refuse, in fact. <laughs> if I see anyone looking like they're starting to change your opinion, I say, stop it! Has, it, has there ever been any evidence that you've affected change? Um, I think I, I did a show a couple of years ago called Boundless Points to Share, which was a comedy lecture about Australia's treatment of refugees. Shut up, it was very funny. <laughs> And I think that everyone coming to that show was probably already on board with the general idea of, of the way that we're going about um, treating refugees is really bad. But when you put it all together in a 70-minute um, PowerPoint presentation and really try to talk about this, um, hopefully it made people angrier. Mm-hmm. And just I think that's the best you can hope for with art or comedy is to just remind people that you should be outraged like on a regular basis. And I know we're outraged about a lot of stupid stuff, season eight of Game of Thrones, for example, but we should actually be outraged about the actual uh, consistently awful things that the political class get up to and that we kind of ignore as a society. So that's the general dream. Mm-hmm. And I guess my, my little um, you know two cents in this show tomorrow night is going to be saying that progress doesn't just happen, that the moral arc of the universe doesn't just bend towards justice. You actually have to do stuff. I mean, you know, our refugee policy is a pretty great example of things getting worse, even though lots of people are trying to change things about it. Like, something has to actually snap and change. Otherwise, yeah, often things do get um, progressively worse. Oh, and it, what, a, what a downer. No, 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 no. Thanks for coming in. <laughs> you can make the world a better place by coming to Progress at uh, Smokestack. That's right. It's, uh, it's tomorrow night, uh, 17th May, 8pm. Where? Uh, at the e- Ian Potter Theatre, I want to say, out mm-hmm. of Monash University. Yeah, just go to Monash. You'll in find Clayton. It. Yeah, Clayton, that's the one. Thank you so much for coming in, Tom. Thank you, friends. Cheers. Three, triple, ah. Oh. I think I've made a huge mistake. Why? In showing you that, oh, that video. I've never, I can, it sounds, actually, what you showed me, it began to sound familiar by the end of it. So quite oh, you, well known. Yeah, maybe. So it made me very sad. Just as um, the uh, Josh who was doing the graveyard shift did it all about animals, and it just made me think of um, this uh, video that I saw the other day. It's it's Jimmy Stewart on um, the Johnny Carson show. Um, it turns out Jimmy Stewart liked poetry, writing poetry. That was one of his, you know, things uh, hobbies. Um, so he came on and he uh, started reading this poem. Um, about a dog, and it starts off quite funny. Yeah. You know, you know, it starts off. Um, 
He never came to me when I would call unless I had a tennis ball or he felt like it, but mostly he didn't come at all. Um, So it starts off quite sweet and lovely and then it takes a turn at the end where, you know, he talks about, you know, this dog had... um, I don't know if I'm spoiling it, but it's... I don't think you are. Yeah, anyway, he dies. Um, And it's just a beautiful tribute... um, it also gets kind of existential at the end, this idea that the dog would sit there in the night and wait for him. He'd, you know, and sometimes mm. he'd wake up in the middle of the night and he'd see his dog staring at him, then he'd reach out to pat him and he understood why because the dog would wake in fright at night and under- not understand what the darkness yeah. in the world was. Like it just takes this really – it goes from being this kind of silly and then the dog would run away. Mm. Yeah. Was it, did Jimmy Stewart write it? Yeah. yeah. And it's oh, what are the glory days of late night television. I know, I know we right. could get on and read poetry. Oh my god! You know? I know, and it made me tear up. And then I was—I didn't expect that to happen. That's why, and I'm yeah. a bit emotional at this time of the morning, anyway. <laughs> I know, and I, and I'm just <laughs> thinking now. I haven't stopped crying. I know. Like it was. I think it's also because um, you know how Lloyd, um, my dog Lloyd, one of my dogs. Um, he has that back problem mm. that flares up every now and again. Like, has yeah. this. We only just found out what it was last year. Like, it, you know, he was just doing this. You know, obviously, dogs can't talk and tell you what's wrong, but he <laughs> just kept on wincing on certain occasions. And we, um, we thought, at first, we thought uh, they, well, the vet thought it was a UTI. And then we thought it was kidney, um, something wrong with his kidneys. Oh, and then, right. like, someone was just like, oh, Who's no, we? The vet, or yes. you were just speculating in the bedroom? <laughs> no, Jez and Kath. Yeah. Yeah. No, and the vets mostly. Um, us and the yeah, me and the vet. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. You had I'm a confab. Yeah. yeah. Just a great. Um, and then, uh, but it, and then the, one of the vets worked out that it was like a lower back problem. Um, so he's not quite sure how he does it, you know. It's probably just that classic thing he just turns the wrong way. Daniel hasn't met Lloyd yet, have you? No, not met Lloyd. Oh, no. Lloyd's a special dog. He's yeah. very beautiful. Can you pat on the lower back? It's fine. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He loves a pat. But he just he's, he doesn't jump up on things. He's a bit blind. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, in, in, right now he's not jumping up on things. Normally he loves to jump up on the couch and the bed and stuff and sometimes he doesn't quite nail it. Yeah. He forgets how high something is and then kind of stacks <laughs> a little bit. But um, he has a go and good, good on him. <laughs> um, oh, Lloyd. That but, hurts my heart. Yeah, but because he's, you know, just not really well at the moment because his back things flared up he's been really cuddly needy. yeah Aww. so he's so we've been letting him sleep in the in the bed like between us Aww. and it's just that I was just patting him on the head last oh, night <laughs> don't knowing that he was there you know anyway everyone, don't, I can't handle that are all. you seeking out these videos uh, to make yourself upset <laughs> But no, no. Everything makes Jess cry, but probably yeah. yes. Yeah. No, someone had posted it on, on – I saw someone, a friend had posted it on Facebook and it was just a link to the YouTube. I was just lying in, in bed for my nap the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just click on this and have a – No. <laughs> no. Um, I'm really sad because when we leave for Italy, we're going to leave Ralph – with my sister and I've, we've never left Ralph. We only got him last year and we've never left him alone. And greyhounds are really anxious, emotional dogs. Right. Mm. They're quite intense 
it's like having a, like a little human around that feels lots of big emotions and they sulk and they cry and they hug and uh, I'm I'm so scared about leaving. Not that I don't trust my sister. I do. Mm. I, I, I've been taking him around to her house once a week in the lead up to Italy to try and get him used to the house and to her. really wise. And uh, I just, just, when you played me that poem, I was like, I can't handle leaving him alone. I can't handle him being sad. Are you going to leave photos of you lying around? Well, you know what I would? What I did say to Meg was maybe leave recordings of my voice. Yeah. So that it, it might calm him down a bit. And also like play back like, old radio shows. Maybe put pillowcases in his bed or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you've got your smell. Oh, that's a nice idea. What's his name? Ralph. Oh, hello, Ralph, Ralph if you're listening in the future. <laughs> Ralph Wagons. This is played back. Oh, yeah. I hope he is. That's nice. Do you, have, you don't have any pets. I've got, a, I've got Simon, a fighting fish. Whoa. Oh. What's a fighting fish? They, they little fish that... They're uh, the black, big bug-eyed ones. Well, I don't, yeah. I don't know if he's got bug-eyed. I mean, he's tiny. You could probably... You could, Probably fit four in your mouth or more. I don't know. <laughs> One way to describe how big a fish is. I know, is. please don't measure a fish. Like <laughs> that ever again. And, uh, and he's, you know. Oh, it's got the big, the big fanny yeah, tail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're quite, uh, they're quite yeah. majestic. They're, you know, they're understated, but there's a certain colourful beauty about them. And you've just what colour is he? Uh, blue and red. He's oh. got a red streak. Yeah. But the thing is, they, they need to be separated because they're fighting fish. Oh. So you can't have... They eat each other. Yes. And if you... if Let's say if I put a, a uh, lady friend in there for him, he would... What, well, what do you think would happen? He'd he eat they'd its mate tail? And, then, and then they'd kill each other. She'd murder him. Oh! <gasps> Because he would be so pestering ah. that she's like, get the hell out of my face. Ah. And they, mm. but they're made, How do they procreate? Oh, it is so bizarre. Like, um, I, I don't know all the details, but he, he puts up a like a nest. Okay. At the, so he like, oh. he'll produce what he needs to and it floats at the top. Yep. Oh, so and he's doing it right now, even though there's no one oh, around. That's really I feel sad. really bad. Exactly, uh, and then uh, he's so he's waiting for a lady to smash through the glass and come in, and like you know enjoy him, and then they'll roll around, and her egg will float to the top. Oh, so they don't even really have to do anything. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's total platonic fish. And does, it, does a woman always kill the man? Um, well, it, it depends on the circumstances, but yeah, basically. Oh. <laughs> I mean, not not. I mean, it's not like a. He really would do it's anything not like a praying, love. It's not like a praying mantis where it's like this is what we do. Yeah, right. but she's got nowhere else to go. Exactly. Oh, yeah, they're right. in a tank. Yeah, get out. Do you, out of interest, I've always found fish. I always feel a bit distant from fish. It's just mm-hmm. the way that I am. I because they're not. I guess maybe because they're not cuddling. You don't get that kind of human response. Yeah, yeah. Do yeah. you feel emotional for him? Um, a little bit. Uh, not not. To the extent of a dog. I mean, I've, dogs break my heart. But mm. this, it's good to know that the fish is there. You don't... Yeah. And it's, it's... Yeah. I enjoy having the responsibility. Yeah. My, it's right. very... Surely it's good feng shui to have a fish in you. I think so, so mm. yeah. My girlfriend mainly keeps uh, care, except the other day... She, you're only supposed to feed, like, two, maximum three pellets a day. Yeah. And she actually accidentally dropped in, like, 12. Oh, no. Yeah. What, did you, what happened? Well... The, apparently they get constipated and he'll swim on his side, and then you have to feed him a pee. Oh, as a laxative, really? Yeah. So now I've got this whole drama on my hands. <laughs> oh my god! Mm. Oh, 
well. Oh, Good luck, Simon. <laughs> You're listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3RRR.